Village Church. I do have one other announcement I wanted to share with you. On August uh, 28th, we are going to have the Link Day. The Link is the after-school program that meets in our facilities during the school year. And so they are going to come to a ministry moment in two weeks. And after the service, we're going to have a pizza party. And it's going to give us a chance to get to know the volunteers, get to know some of the families that are part of the Link. And also, if you want to volunteer to be a tutor, to bring a meal, to be a mentor, then this will give you an opportunity to learn more about the link. And so, please, on August 28th, make sure you plan to stay, you know, after the service for a pizza party and get to know the link family. So, please mark that on your calendars uh, for August 28th. Now, if you have your Bible, um, open it to James. Chapter 5, we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 20. James chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. As you know, we've been going through a new sermon series called Our Magna Carta. And the Magna Carta outlines the way the village church is going to do church, how we're going to function as a church. It's going to give us direction. It's going to give us vision. It will help us stay on mission. It will help us to be intentional about the things that we're doing. And if you've been here the past few weeks, you know, we've already talked about the first item. I mean, the first person. He's not really an item. The first person in our Magna Carta is the Holy Spirit. And that's who we, we talked about him the past few weeks. He is the, the, he's number one because nothing... For God's kingdom gets done apart from the Spirit's work. And that's truth. If the Spirit doesn't move, if He's not changing hearts, if He's not moving in our hearts, then things really doesn't, things won't get done for God's kingdom. And so we have to remember that. So the Spirit, we say He's our helper. He's the, the helper that Christ has given to all of His disciples. That same Spirit that, that came in Acts 2 at Pentecost, lives in every believer on the face of this earth, that same spirit. And he's also the spirit who convicts as well of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. Now this morning we're going to talk about another item in our Magna Carta, and that is prayer. And like the spirit, prayer is universal to all churches. It's not just unique to the village church. All churches should pray. It's our resource. It's part of our Magna Carta. And so if you have your Bible, James 5, beginning in verse 13. This is God's word. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man like us. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. This is God's holy word. Please pray with him for me. 
Father, there's no light matter to come and to preach your word because none of us are worthy. I'm not worthy. No preacher is worthy because we all preachers have our own issues, our own struggles. So it's difficult week after week to come and preach your word, knowing the weaknesses and sin that exists in my own life. But I'm grateful that it doesn't depend upon me. It depends upon your spirit to move. It depends upon him to change hearts, my heart. It's up to him to take the word that is preached, the word that is studied, studied, the Lord, the word that is memorized. It's up to him to, to take that into our hearts and to change us from the inside out. And we can walk the walk. We can, you know, fake it. We can do things externally. We can follow the rules. We can do all those things and still not know you and still not grow closer to you. And so, Lord, I, my prayer is that, that as we come here week after week, it's, it's not just to check a box to say, yeah, I went to church. Yeah, I gave Jesus part of my time. I gave him a little bit of my money. But, Lord, we will come here knowing that we need to be in the presence of the Lord with other believers, with his people, that we need this, and that we will not take it for granted. So, Holy Spirit, you know what we need to hear. You know the struggles that we're dealing with. You know the unbelief. You know our doubts. You know it all. You see us. And in what you see, I pray that you would bring God's word to that. That you would encourage us. You would rebuke us. You would change us. You would heal us. You would draw us closer to the heart of Christ. In these three moments together, we will truly commune with our God and King. And it is in Christ's name I pray. Amen. A mood color ring is a chart that assigns colors to the different emotional moods that, that people go through in life. For example, you have black color. That means you're stressed or you're tense. Gray means you're depressed and or you're very nervous and anxious. Blue-green or it means you're easygoing and you're upbeat. Blue is or you're relaxed, you're easy, you're, you're lovable. Green means you're active, you're not under any stress. And violet means you're very happy, you have passion. And so all of us have a mood color. What's yours right now? Not the one that you want us to see, but what is really going on? In your heart at this moment, what color are you? Are you black? Are you gray? Are you blue? Are you violet? Are you green? Where are you? Each of us swing between these different moods throughout the day, throughout our life. Well, we're not all in the same place. We don't all have the same color today because we not we don't have the same experiences. We don't. We all are in different places, different experiences, different circumstances, and different struggles. And these experiences, these struggles, these circumstances, those are the things that, that, that put us in one of these color moods. They're the reason why you're black or, or gray today. These experiences, these struggles, these circumstances. So where are you? Where are you? James taps into a few of, of these experiences in, in this part of his book. Struggles or, or, or however you want to look at them, struggles, experiences, or circumstances. He tapped into three of them. He asked three questions to the church. Is anyone suffering? 
Is anyone cheerful? Is anyone sick? If so, then he, he wants us to do something. He, he wants us to put on something if we are experiencing any of these things. And it's prayer. I believe prayer is khaki. If you know khaki, khaki goes with any color. <laughs> it doesn't matter what color you have on, khaki goes with it. So if you think about it, if prayer is khaki, then it goes with everything. It goes with every color mood that you would experience in this life. But do you wear it? Do you wear it? What are you wearing to help you get through your struggles, your circumstances, your issues? Do you use prayer? What are you wearing? You see, the Christian life has its ups and downs. It does. And Christian prayer needs to be attached to that. And Christian prayer isn't grandstanding. It's not wishful thinking, and it's not pie in the sky. It's it's not us seeking favor and applause from God because we pray long, eloquent prayers. Prayer, Christian prayer, is directed to God in humility. It's not supposed to be a display of, of our righteousness and our reputation, but it's really a display of our humility and dependency on God. It's not a campaign flag. Of self-promotion. But to me, prayer is a white flag of surrender because when we're praying, we're saying, I'm surrendering the well-being of my life to my God and King. So do you wear it? Do you use it? R.T. France is a commentator and he says, the essence of prayer is communion of the disciple with his Father. Communion of the disciple with his Father. So if you look over your week, have you been communing with your father? What do you see? Have you been wearing prayer in all the different moods that you go through? Have you been wearing it? There's an old hymn that says, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we don't carry everything to God in prayer. This is what James is calling us to do in these verses. We must learn to take everything to Jesus in prayer. Things like our suffering. Things like our suffering. And what is your first response? When suffering enters the room and set up shop in your life. What's your first response? Because that's what it does. It comes in unwelcome because we don't welcome suffering. We don't invite it in. But it comes unannounced. And when he comes or she comes, what's your first response? What do you do when life gets messy? Is it silence? Do you hide from others? Do you blame God? Do you run from God? Do you fall into despair? I fall into unbelief. Or I turn into Mr. Fix-It. Because that's who I am. I want to fix things. What do you do? Prayer should be our first response. It should be our initial response when, when suffering comes. And trust me, it will come eventually. You can't outrun it. It will come. James says, if anyone among you is suffering, let 
him pray. Why? Because prayer is khaki. It goes with everything. It goes with all the mood colors. It goes with your suffering and all the various shades of suffering, like grief, financial issues, marital issues. If you live in paycheck to paycheck, prayer goes with that. If you're having health issues, prayer goes with that. If you struggle to make a dollar out of 15 cents, then prayer goes with that too. Car troubles, prayer goes with that too. Parenting hardships, prayer goes with that. Dealing with aging parents like I am, prayer goes with that. School issues for kids and you're in school, prayer goes with that. You're having issues with your siblings, prayer goes with that too. Prayer goes with everything. Times when you feel like you can't get ahead. Have you ever felt that way? I have. Prayer goes with that too. Times when you apply for a job and you continue to get a no. Prayer goes with that too. Times when you feel like you're on the receiving end of any type of injustice or discrimination, prayer goes with that too. So if you're, in the, if you're suffering today, are you praying? What are, are you praying? Are you taking those things to God? You don't have to suffer in silence. You don't have to suffer alone. You don't have to enter this sanctuary each week pretending your life and family is so fresh and so clean. Now, you may look that way. You know, we all do. I think I do. But you know, me, my life is that way. We all struggle. And it burns us out always trying to pretend things are awesome when they're not awesome. It burns you out. Take your suffering to the Lord. It's okay to say, I don't feel like singing today. It's okay to say, I don't believe in those words today because of what I'm going through. No one here is going to judge you because we're all in the same boat with you. There ain't no one here who has it all together. We all have our stuff. We all struggle. We all hurt. But do you believe that? We take these prayers to God, not just our own sufferings. You also take the sufferings of other people to him as well. And and these prayers that we are praying to God, these are prayers of supplications. These are us taking our needs to the Father. Because we all have needs. We all have things that we're going through. And he wants you to bring those things to him. I know you're saying, if he already knows I need them, why do I need to pray? Why do I need to pray? Because prayer is you showing your dependency upon him. That's what it's showing. It's humility. That's what it's showing you. That's what prayer is. It's you humbling yourself before your father daily, weekly, crying out to him, telling him, I need you. I need you, Father. It's crying out for mercy. It's crying out for strength to endure, for justice to flow down like water. It's crying out for answers. James doesn't want us to to live with a defeated spirit that lives by some self-fulfilling prophecy that says, my life is going to always be this way. It's just my luck. God works for other people, but he don't work for me. Other people get things. Other people get healing. Other people do this, but I, I just have bad luck. I'm never going to get out of this. You can't find those things in Scripture. You don't have to live your life that way. You don't have to live in despair 
You don't have to live in defeat. You can live with this expectation that when you go to God, when you take your suffering to God, he is listening to you. And now he may remove the suffering or he may give you the energy and strength to persevere through it. One or two will happen. But he will come. He will answer. James says, I'm sorry, Psalm 18 says, In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. And from his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry to him reached his ears. But do you believe that? In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry to him reached his ears. Again, do you believe it? He hears the prayers of his beloved people. He would not just abandon us to the sufferings of this world alone. He will comfort his people. He would either do it through his word, he would do it through his spirit, and he would either do it through his church, through other Christians. He will work all things to the good of those who love him. I don't know how he would do it, but he will do it. He will do it. And I hope you believe that. And I also hope you believe that, that prayer is more than just offering supplication to God. It's more than just bringing to him our needs and the needs of others. It's more than that. Let me ask you a few questions. Do you only pray to the Lord when life is hard? Do you only pray to him when you need something? You need help on this test. You need to get this job. You need to get my car fixed. You need to pay this bill. When do you pray to him? When do you bend the knee? Is it only when you're stuck in a rock and a hard place? If you only pray to him in times of trouble, then we, and we have a half of understanding of what prayer is. It's more than just praying to him in times of trouble and asking him for stuff. David Peter says, turning to God in need is half the truth. Turning to him in praise, either in the church or alone, 